How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Adam Sane podcast, where you get to know a little bit more about people, passions, and all things business. Today, I'm with Amanda Aguilar. 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 Yeah. <laughs> who is a WTOC investigative reporter. Amanda, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I am super excited as well. Tell me, how does one become an investigative reporter? Ooh, that's actually a good question. Um, I never saw myself as an investigative reporter. Okay. I actually never wanted to be an investigative reporter. I knew it took a lot of time, a lot of digging. Um, I just didn't see that in myself as a reporter. But I started doing some investigative stories that I honestly didn't think were investigative stories. I thought it was just me helping, you know, community members out. Uh, for example, there was a woman in Hinesville. She had a sewage issue. Like there was just a sewage problem at her mobile home. She wasn't getting any answers from the landlords and she didn't know what to do. Went there, you know, interviewed her, tried to get answers from the landlords, tried to get answers from the city of Hinesville, was able to get answers, you know, to let her know that she could call code enforcement. Um, that probably two hours after I reached out to her, the code enforcement officer went to her mobile home and basically... Took care of it. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I think my news director and my other managers saw that I was doing well and they actually asked me to join the investigative team. And they're like, you know, we're really impressed with some of the stories that you've been doing. And we think you'd be a good addition. But, but this was something that recently. So you were yeah. always a reporter. Yes, I was um, the weekend anchor reporter for okay. WTOC. That's what I started out um, last October. And yeah, recently, I want to say, oh, when was it? Maybe July, of August. Last year? Yeah. Okay. Somewhere around that time. Mid-COVID? Yes, mid-COVID. And it was honestly what I needed because I feel like everyone during the pandemic, especially you kind of lose motivation, mm -hmm. especially in news. I mean, we're constantly talking about COVID mm -hmm. and it gets, it gets tiring and you're trying to find different angles for different stories of COVID and it got exhausting. I lost motivation. I felt absolutely not inspired. I hated getting up to go to work because I knew it was just gonna be the same story all mm -hmm. over again. And I, I needed it. I told my news director, I was like, I needed this because one, it's gonna get me out of my comfort zone um, and push me and I'm always about growth. And I just needed that motivation to do something more and you know, find something that I might enjoy in reporting. And I absolutely love investigative reporting. You know, It's digging deeper, getting answers for the community members, holding people accountable, government officials accountable. Um, so I'm very thankful that I was able to get this opportunity. Very cool. So take me to how did you become a reporter? Oh, how did I become a reporter? So. I actually was an awful student in high school. Really? Absolutely awful, awful? student. Like, I did not know I was going to graduate high school until three days before graduation. Wow. Yeah, I had a talk with my counselor because my mom was like, do you even, because I didn't know that you can walk across the stage but not actually get your diploma. Okay. And my mom was like, are you going to get your diploma? And I was like, yo, I don't know. And she's like, you should probably talk to your counselor. So I did. Three days before graduation, I was like, when I walk that stage, am I going to get handed a diploma? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. But like, it was, I did not do well in school. And because I didn't have any motivation. I didn't know what I was interested in. I didn't know I was interested in journalism mm -hmm. in high school. I actually, when I was a senior, I was a part of a, our associated student body. 
and I was public relations officer. One of my duties was to be our high school TV news anchor. And so I thought that was cool. I was like, this is cool. I'm just reading from a teleprompter. I'm on camera. And I was like, this is neat. I like it. But I didn't know the extent of what TV news was, especially broadcast. And I went into college majoring in communication and media studies. And I only declared that as my major because I like talking. Uh And I was like, I don't know what I really want to do with it just yet. But whatever, just major in communications. And it wasn't until my sophomore year, it was a TV news class. And my professor had us paired up with someone in our class and it was our first assignment. Just get to know them and then write an article about them. And the comment on my assignment said, you really have a knack for journalism. Mm -hmm. And it was that comment that I was like, dang, am I good at this? Like, am I, is this something that I can do? Like, I enjoyed it. I liked asking questions. I liked writing. And from there, that kind of just like sparked that flame in me. And from there, I was just like, I'm going to do whatever I can to be a successful reporter and to succeed in this industry. So so during that, uh, during the, your time at high school, not very excited about kind of like what you were doing. No. First, What about first year of college? Was it still kind of like the same, unmotivated? It was, I think it was, I was just trying to find, find what I was interested in. Mm-hmm. Like I knew I liked what I did in high school with the TV news, but at the time I was still so unsure of what it meant mm-hmm. like because it's not easy mm-hmm. this this tv news is not glamorous at all a lot of people think it is but it's so much hard work it's getting overworked getting burnt out very easily um you're underpaid honestly um it's not a glamorous career and so i didn't know how competitive it was mm-hmm. um you know you have to have thick skin to be in this industry i didn't know all of that um but I was definitely my first year of college. I was still trying to figure it out. And mm-hmm. it wasn't, and I, and I think a part of me also, because I wasn't a good student in high school and I didn't feel like a lot of people believed in me, I don't think I believed in myself just mm. yet when I was a freshman in college. Um, but then that one comment to see that a professor believed in me and saw potential in me, that's kind of what took everything off. And I think that's really important, right? Like, you know, understanding yourself and, and understanding that growth. Yes. So at some point that was a trigger. Um, how about more recently? What are the things that you're discovering about yourself? Uh, I, growth is not a linear journey. That's what I've learned. You're always going to grow and it's going to be highs and lows. And um, But recently I just embarked on a self-love journey. Um, that started last year in November and wow, the things I've learned about myself, the things I've learned about myself and realized I have to fix, Mm. um, those are always hard pills to swallow. Um, but I am so thankful that I started a self-love journey. I think a lot of people don't know what self-love is and a lot of people, and it's such an uncomfortable journey too. Mm -hmm. Like it's very emotional, it's very difficult. And so then they don't want to embark on that journey or, you know, find a way to reach their highest self. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's my my recent growth journey. So what triggered that? Oh yeah, so um, the pandemic, I mean, it it was hard for everyone. I think I was just stressed with work. I had a lot of anxiety, I also, missed my parents. Mm. I mean, they're in California. I'm in Georgia. This is actually the longest I have gone without seeing them, Mm. um, more than a year. And I think it was the 
uncertainty of when I was even going to see them, which kind of took a toll on me because I miss them. I'm the only child. Uh And so that and then also just combined with a recent heartbreak Mm. um, sparked my self-love journey where I was honestly just tired of comparing myself to people, feeling sad. Like I was going to sleep crying every night and I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want to compare myself to people to feel like I just did not feel like myself. My work was getting affected. My eating habits were getting affected. I mean, I was eating once a day. Mm-hmm. And if I was eating, it was like two bites of something. Mm-hmm. It was it was just really impacting me where I did not like who I was. Um, and then it was actually funny. I remember I was after I went to sleep crying, I woke up at like 6 a.m., went on Instagram, and a girl that I followed, um, her name's Jam. I don't know her. We just have mutual friends. But she posted about how she finished her self-love journey. And mm-hmm. I was like reading it. And, you know, she was going through um, a real breakup and kind of how much she's learned. And I was like, wow, like I want that for myself. And I reached out to her self-love coach. And we had a talk and she just kind of told me how her self-love program works and all this kind of stuff. And I was just like, I need to choose myself this time. I feel like I have always given so much effort to people that didn't reciprocate that effort or affection to me. And I needed to give that energy I was giving to other people to myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So immediately I signed up for her program and it was the best investment I've ever made. Yeah. Yes. So, so for you, uh, now that you've been through that program and how long is that program? So it was a 12 week program, but I mean, self love is a constant journey. Mm -hmm. I know just because I finished the program doesn't mean I'm done. Mm -hmm. Um, there are a lot of tools that she gave me that I still practice. Um, and, and I have to, and I've realized that there, I'm going to have days where I'm going to be in a funk, but it's about realizing that and then coping with it in a healthy way. And I think before pre-growth, Amanda, I didn't know how to cope with, you know, intrusive thoughts or anything like when I would get jealous or Mm -hmm. things like that or when I would deal with imposter syndrome. I didn't know how to deal with that. But now I do after, you know, going on this self-love journey and learning so much about myself. Now I have all these tools to cope with anytime I get in a funk. So, so let's talk about uh, practicality, right? So, you know, uh, there might be some people listening right now that are going through maybe something that's very similar. Uh, what type of advice would you have for those people? And how, maybe, how do you identify if you need to focus on your self-love? Everyone needs to focus on self-love, no matter what. I think people think that self-love is only for single people. No, that's not true at all. Self-love is for anyone in a relationship, in a marriage, whatever. Um, It's so important to love yourself because how is someone else going to love you if you can't love yourself? Mm -hmm. Um, For people that might be going through it and they're struggling, I mean, obviously I'm really happy I signed up for a self-love coach, but I know a lot of people don't have the means to do that. But just going like self-help books, Mm -hmm. you know, those always help. And just making sure that you have a support system behind you that, you know, will support your growth. Um, I think the biggest thing is just admitting to yourself that you have work to do. Mm. Um, That is such a hard pill to swallow. Why do you think that's the case? Why do you think people are always like, oh, yeah, I'm good? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. You don't want to like 
admit to yourself like, yo, you got issues. That was me. I was like, I didn't want to be like, Amanda, you have issues that you need to work on because I felt like I was blaming myself and in the position that I was in, I was already feeling down. I was feeling sad. I didn't want to blame myself and then just have more negative feelings. But I realized that accountability, self-awareness, that is a form of Mm self-love. Taking accountability for your actions or things that you need to work on and grow, that is a form of self-love. And I think that was a hard pill to swallow. And I realized that, you know, I had a lot of triggers in this past I don't even want to call it a relationship. It was really like a one-sided situationship that Mm. was, should have been the first red flag, but pre-growth Amanda, I didn't listen to red flags. Um, but I had a lot of triggers and I realized that triggers, anytime you have a trigger, that's something you need to work on internally. And so when I realized that with jealousy and like communication, lack of communication, that's a huge trigger for me. There are just so many things that I realized that I needed to work on. Um, and just accepting that was very, very difficult to be like, Amanda, you have things that you need to work on. And this, as long as you work on it, you're going to become the highest version of yourself. Um, but I think it, I think everyone doesn't want to like blame themselves or like put that on them and just accept the fact that they need to grow. I think it's hard to do that. So, you know, during all of this, um, on the surface level, you know, through social media, through, you know, all the platforms that you are on, um, I don't believe that there was a visual uh, ID that said, hey, like, you're going through this. Right. So what was that? I mean, because obviously, you know, we talk about putting up a front, right? Yes. <laughs> what, what, what did that look like for you? Um, no one knew I was going through depression and anxiety because I felt like as a public figure, and honestly, since I was little, I was always known as the happy, hyper, spunky, you know, person that I am. And I felt like I had to live up to that mm-hmm. on social media. And we all know social media, people put a front up. Sure. And, and I admit I had to, I did that because I felt like I had to. And I also just didn't want people in my business. Yeah. Um, I think there were only a few friends that knew what I was going through. Um, and, you know, I just, I didn't want people to think that I was, I didn't have my life together, I guess. Cause I feel like with how well I am doing in life and I'm going to pat myself on the back because I am doing well in life. I feel like I didn't want people to know that I was struggling. Um, and so I did put up a front on social media and you know, when I finally came out and started talking about my self-love journey and started talking about, you know, the depression and anxiety that I was going through, I had a lot of messages like, I had no idea you were going through that. Mm-hmm. And But I think I realize it's so important to share those stories because there are so many other people that are probably going through the same thing Mm. and that feel like they have to put out a front. Um, And they don't. I think it's the support I've gotten after being so open has been amazing. Um, But I do think with social media, yeah, there's this pressure to just look good, feel good, and, you know, always kind of just front and act like you have everything together. And it, it just it goes to show that everyone is battling their own battles. And no matter if they seem to be doing well in their career or if their relationship looks happy, like everyone is going through something that you don't know about. Yeah. 
So let's change directions uh, for a second. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about kind of like where you're from. How did you end up, you know, in Southeast Georgia? <laughs> so I'm actually from the West Coast, from the Bay Area. I love that. Um, yeah. So I'm from the Bay Area, Fremont, California, which is probably, I want to say like 45 minutes from SF. Um, I have kind of been everywhere. After I graduated from my college, I actually spent two years in the Bay Area doing online news. And then I knew I wanted to do TV. So I decided to get my master's in DC at American University. So I was in DC for a year, um, got my master's, interned at NBC Washington, ended up getting my first TV job All in right. Kansas. Kansas? The Midwest. Yeah. And I started off as their bureau reporter. So a bureau reporter is kind of like Dal Kennedy. Okay. He's our, you know, Statesboro bureau reporter. They're kind of far from the station. I mean, not really that far. But when you say beer, B-E-E-R? Bureau. Bureau. Okay, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The bureau reporter. Okay. And so I was in charge of central Kansas. So that was my area. And I think it was like 20 counties I would cover on my own. Um I was in Great Bend. It was a small town, like very small. And <laughs> it was farmlands, you know. What type of stories would they have out there? I mean, a lot of it is agriculture, obviously, sure. in the Midwest. But I mean, they had their share of crime, mm. you know, um, city council wanting to better an intersection or stuff like that. Um, they did have a controversial story with one of the, the superintendents there. Mm. Um, that was a big story. But yeah, I started out, I was there for 10 months and then I got promoted to the morning reporter, fill in anchor. So I moved to Wichita, Kansas, which was probably two hours from Great Bend, but that was the their city, yeah. uh, Kansas's city. Um, but to me, you know, from the Bay Area and then, you know, being in D.C., it wasn't really a city. They're like, but but it's crazy because Wichita, anytime people found out I was living in Wichita, Kansas, they're like, what? But Wichita is such a hidden gem. Yeah, it is. So it's developing. There's so much stuff there. The nightlife is great. The people are great. I mean, I miss Wichita. OK, I absolutely enjoyed my three years there. Um, so yeah, I was in the Midwest and then now I'm in Georgia. Um, it kind of, this career, you go anywhere pretty much. Mm -hmm. yeah. what, what's next for you? Like, are oh. you going, are you going to um, leave us soon? I am. Um, my contract ends in October. So when you're in news, you are on a contract. It's usually like two or three years, depending on the station. Um, I always had two year contracts here. I have a two year contract. Um, but I, I want to get closer to home. Yeah. I want to get back to the West Coast. Um, I think I'm kind of at that point in my career where I want to find my forever market, as they say, you know, where you're there forever. Yeah. Um, and usually your forever market is, you know, where you're born and raised. Got you. Got you. So are you excited about that? Do you like um, do you look forward to kind of like what that looks like? Oh, or? man. I think, just, I think for me, I think about the moving and it gives me a lot of stress. That like moving every two years, I'm not going to lie, is so stressful, so annoying, gives me anxiety. Um, so I think all I could focus on is me having to pack up and move again, which is very annoying. Um, but I'm excited to be closer to home. I'm excited to be with my parents and my friends and, and, and reporting for the community that I was raised mm -hmm. in. Um, I think it's, it's special when you get to do that. Tell me about how the uh, the puppy takes the move. 
Oh gosh, I'm nervous about that. I've <laughs> thought about it and I'm like, because I do not like long drives. Uh -huh. I hate long drives. Um, I actually had my friend drive with me, our my U-Haul truck from Kansas to Georgia. Uh -huh. That was an 18-hour drive, but it took like a day because, you know, we stopped for gas and stuff like that. But I felt so bad because we were going on like shifts. Uh -huh. And I think my shift driving was like three hours compared to him. He was like eight hours, five hours because I just can't. I hate driving. So I'm honestly like, what am I going to do? Like, am I driving back to the West Coast or am I going to have to take the puppy on the plane. Honestly, I'll probably have them on the plane. I I think they have like the pods, right? Where you yeah. can just throw everything in and they just move it for you. Yeah, I've looked into that, but it's sometimes expensive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it, that's 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 why I hate moving like all the logistics and stuff. It's very stressful. So you have a love for Wichita. Tell me about your love for Savannah. Well, can I first say I well, one thing I hate about Savannah is the bugs. <laughs> Just the, the south. The gnats? Yes. <laughs> oh my God, they're so rude. <laughs> Let me just get that out of there. Okay. But okay, but Southern hospitality, real. Real? Southern hospitality is real. Yeah. Um, and I think not to talk bad about the West Coast, but I feel like in the West Coast, even in the East Coast, everyone is just in their own bubble and no one says hi to you, you know, when you're walking down the street. But here in the South, you know, people are always saying hi. Like, you could be in your car and someone's like... Waving, right? Yeah, waving. So, does that not exist? Not in the West Coast. Mm. No, not at all. In the West Coast, someone's trying to cut you off. I know, I know, <laughs> like, up North is not, not friendly, at, like, as much. Uh, there was one time I went up to uh, New York just to hang out. And I was waving to people. And my friend literally told me, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, why why do you... Don't do that. <laughs> People are going to judge you. No, it's so true. I remember actually, um, it's the Midwest and the South that I've experienced like the hospitality. Um, and I, I, I oh, this is why I want the pandemic to end or just, you know, have people be able to travel or at least my parents, because they would, they would love it here because people are so friendly. My dad is the type that strikes up random conversations mm -hmm. with people at like Walmart mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, he would love it here because people actually talk back. I remember in DC, when they were helping me move, we went to Walmart and he tried to have a conversation with someone and they looked at him like... He was like crazy. Yes. And I I, uh, I just wish they could come here soon so they could experience Savannah. Do you think... It, what what drives that? Is it is it kind of like the culture that is here or what do you Maybe, think? Maybe, you know. I just... I feel like the West Coast especially, it, you're just... It, you know, everyone's just focused on on them. Mm. Um, I think what I've learned being in Savannah and the South in general, just there's such a sense of community mm -hmm. and a sense of pride for, you know, one city. And I think in the West Coast in California, sometimes there's like, it's, it's definitely not as um, adamant there than it is here. Mm -hmm. um, and I think maybe that it is maybe like a culture thing. I really don't know. But I, I've loved it here, especially, you know, covering the rural areas in the South. There's such a, a community pride. And I love that. And I, I think it's because when I was in high school, one thing I was good at in high school was like spirit and, mm -hmm. and school pride. And so to see that here is always like, oh, I love this. Yeah. I love that for you guys. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I, I lived in on the West Coast for a yeah, period of time. Yeah, I remember that. And, and when I came back uh, to Statesboro, 
I, just you know how everybody interacts with each other yes. there's just like a special care yes um, and you know you being able to identify that is really like it brings value to that so we're glad to have you here we want to keep you as long as Aww. possible <laughs> well who um, knows you know you never know that's right <laughs> um so let's let's you know i i do appreciate your time what what can our community do for you um, well, since I am a reporter, but I know like Dal is the Statesboro reporter, but if you know, have any stories, um, in like anywhere, honestly, in Southeast Georgia, I mean, definitely hit me up. We want to make sure that we're telling the stories of our community. Um, and a lot of times, you know, we hear, oh, the media is not covering this. The media is not covering this and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, cause sometimes we don't know about it. Mm -hmm. You can't, you know, blame us for not covering it if you haven't told us or emailed us or called us about it. Um, so I always encourage people to please, please contact your reporters. If there's a story that you want to see, contact us. We are always looking for stories. Um, and you could do that like email, social media. Uh, I have a lot of people that hit me up on social media, you know, with story ideas. And what are those handles? Um, so I made it easy. All my handles for Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook is TV. A a-G-U-I-L-A-R-T-V. I had to like <laughs> pretend like I was writing out, like make sure I spelled my last name right. <laughs> but yes, A Aguilar TV on all social media platforms. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Amanda, for spending some time Thanks with us there. Thanks for having it me. It was an awesome time. I loved hearing about your story. Thank you for everything you do for this community. Oh, and I appreciate again, it. Again, uh, if there's anything else that we can do for you, please let us know. I'm just very excited to be on here. Thanks Thank for you. having me again. I and I'm excited it. to eat some food. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs>